0: To the house of mercy on the water's edge Was a man who met the Savior So the gospel said Waiting there he was With the lepers and the lame Till an angel it was told came. Folks tune in from all around, near and far, just to listen to the House of Mercy waiting for the waters to stir. We're just listening to the House of Mercy. Waiting for the waters to stir.
1: Today's opening reading is from The Wizard of Oz. Ding dong, the witch is dead. No 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 I man, maybe, maybe that's that's not a very christian thing to say no but, but i
2: think you're quoting something
1: yeah yeah i mean it is a real it's a real feeling i mean i don't know how did you feel when when you heard you know well I mean, oh i
2: think i cried actually like with relief
1: I had that same, too. I was with Joe, my son Joe, and I was, like, waving, like, come here, with a huge smile on my face, thumbs up, any gesture I could make. I was in the car. He was outside. And then when he came in <laughs> and I opened my mouth to talk to him, I just was, like, kind of choked up. And I just managed yeah. to say, it's over. It's happening a
2: lot.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I did. I liked all the dancing in the street. Um, I was in Billings, Montana. wasn't a lot going on in the dancing in the street part there, but mostly what I felt was relief.
2: Yeah, I did. I felt some
1: dancing, dancingness.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually felt happy.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. I have to so say I,
2: uh, uh, relief. Yeah. So
1: I still do feel very happy. I feel very happy. I feel possibility. You know, I yeah, feel, me too. I feel like, course, yeah. yeah,
2: we don't, we don't know what will happen in the next, how, how many days
1: now? Uh, you know, it's two and a half months. It's the inauguration is the 20th of January, you know? Yeah.
2: But maybe we should welcome people to the. The
1: podcast. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I forgot that this wasn't just a conversation you and I were having. Um with everybody. Yeah. Oh hey everybody. Uh yeah, we're so glad that you joined us in the House of Mercy Podcast, uh coming to you one day late because as I said, I was driving on the uh, road and uh yeah, so we're here now and uh we uh yeah, we're glad that we're glad that you have are here with us. And uh I wanna say, you know what, we've talked about this uh as Debbie and I have been processing it live in front of you, we uh, thought it would be great for all of us as a community to sort of be together to maybe process this or reflect on it, uh, the post-election. So this coming Sunday on the 15th of November at 5 p.m., outside the House of Mercy, we are going to have a House of Mercy post-election semi-service. There will be uh, some a cappella hymn singing, masks on, socially distanced, we'll have some fire pits and uh, propane heaters. If you have some of those you can bring, please let me know, russell at HouseMercy.org, And uh, we'll come together and there will be some prayers and some uh, mini homil- homilizing and uh, an opportunity for people to share their uh, reflections or thoughts on the uh, last four years or the years uh, to come. Just the whole... I guess the whole process, yeah?
2: Yeah, we haven't been together much, and this seems like a great time to see each
1: other. I so. think I think we really will be good. So bring your mask. Of course, we'll have things here. uh, uh oh, bring your umbrellas. And too. bring your umbrellas. And or and, snow boots. And know, snow, whatever. Yeah. yeah, dress really warm. I think it's going to be a high of 40-something with possibilities of rain. But rain or shine, we're going to be uh, out there doing you know, it. We're going
2: to be COVID careful, but, you know... We know things aren't going so well that way, so if you don't feel comfortable, we love you anyway.
1: Yeah, of course. If you don't feel comfortable, uh, please, but we'll just be there, and we're not going to be—it's not going to be uh, super uh, long, but just a time for us to get together and reflect a little bit. And uh, yeah, this is a time when you want to be with your community. I think.
2: I think so. I mean, I'm excited to be with people.
1: Absolutely. Oh. Yes. Uh, also t- How about those po- podcasts? Okay, yeah, I to- was going to talk about um for Advent. You know, we won't be able to be together regularly for Advent and Christmas uh, as we are, but we are doing some. Uh, we're doing some things. We are going to have an Advent uh, podcast reflecting on the theme, a very Adventy theme, and uh, relevant now, uh, waiting for the world to begin again. And we're asking individuals, writers, musicians, anyone who'd like. Um, to share a uh, three to five minute reflection, and uh, we're going to be posting those on Thursdays uh, for th- four weeks of Advent. If you'd like to participate and uh, write uh, and record or play something and be to be a part of that, uh, waiting for the world to begin again Advent podcast, please contact Russell at houseofmercy.org. dot org. so, will people just
2: like record in their phone
1: and yeah. send it to you? I think yeah. so. Yeah. And and if anybody wants something more or last wants to, uh, I can uh, help them with that.
2: That sounds great. I'm looking forward to that. So what a great theme it turned out to be. I mean, it would have been one
1: way or the other. Yeah, exactly. And it uh, every year it is kind of what we. It's uh, yeah. It's not the end of the world. It's a new uh, beginning of something. The more life, aliveness. I don't know. We I, need more life. We need more. More life is more better. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, I think that was Biden's uh, first stab at a, a campaign slogan. But build it back better is not much better. Um, anyway, hey, is that all we have for our announcements right now? I think that's all we talked about. Yeah. All right. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it.
3: Join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, though we can't all be together, help us feel what we might feel if we were. Full hearts, some sense of solidarity, being with all our companions, broken and loved, trying to believe at least a little that you are with us, still working, creating, making us whole. Help us open to whatever healing you have in store for us. Open to mercy, that we won't stay stuck in unmerciful habits of being that we may have picked up in recent years. And help us rest a moment in the confidence that love can carry us. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Share a sign of peace.
0: Join with us in singing House of Mercy Hymn Number Five Christ for President by Woody Guthrie.
3: Prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy. And I invite you to respond here on prayer. God of all people, we are grateful. God in your mercy. Help us to relax our shoulders, unclench our fists open up to the possibility that humanity may flourish. Creation can mend. Free us to breathe deeply, sigh in relief, dance in the street, have a happy dream, that we might gain some energy for the work we have to do to keep loving our neighbors, care for what is precious and broken, give what we have to give. I think we do need you to free us to love one moment to the next. So we pray for freedom and love and generosity and mercy and kindness and healing. God in your mercy. God of mercy in light of the coming transition that has so many implications for women and girls, black and brown people, Indigenous people, queer and trans people, help us take a moment to celebrate. That it might be a little easier to feel respected, that the world might feel a little less dangerous and cruel. It is no small thing. God in your mercy, God of mercy, help us confront our own racism and make us less able to simply enjoy our privilege if we have it. Trouble us if we need troubling, that we might be less and less able to keep adhering to a racist system that favors the rich and threatens the life of the planet. Whatever little or big things we might do to help upset the imbalance, teach us to do them. God, in your mercy, God of healing and loving-kindness, We pray for the end to the pandemic, for those who are suffering the most from it, for people who feel scared and alone in the hospital, for healthcare workers and those who mop the floors and take out the trash amidst so much sickness and pain. We pray for those who are suffering from all the many forms of sickness and death. We pray for healing, and for life. God in your mercy. We pray that you would hear us now as we express our gratitude or fear or need as we pray for the world in silence. May we know
4: your mercy. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord.
1: The Sermon on the Mount is intense. Seriously. And we've got it right here today, starting right here, the Sermon on the Mount. It will mess with you. I'm serious. I mean, it messes with me. It totally messes with me all the time, you know? Like, as much as I think that I've worked my way through my fundamentalist evangelical performance guilt stuff, as much as I think I've, like, matured, you know, and put aside or exercised this feeling or this, like, compulsion in the narrow, marrow of my bones that I need to be good, no, not good, like, better, yeah. Like, I need to be a really, really, really good person if there's any hope for me at all. I think that I have convinced myself of the fact that the will to rightness and righteousness was never actually nestled down in my brain stem. But however much I think that this radical grace has cleansed me, there's the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount comes and whips my head back around and says, think again. You know, think again. This Sermon on the Mount, you know what it should be called? Jesus's list of stuff I don't do. <laughs> I don't need that. I mean, come on. Well, you know. So Jesus sees this crowd and he goes up on the mountain, sits down and begins to preach and teach, saying, see, that's a nice, simple beginning, right? A simple enough beginning. But then he goes on for three chapters, three chapters of stuff that I'm not doing, 111 verses of stuff I am not doing. Nowhere else in any other gospel does Jesus talk so much. Like Matthew just has him going on and on and on about everything, everything. He starts out with the Beatitudes, right? These blessed Bees. And I start reading the Sermon on the Mount, and I kind of revert to some younger Pelagian leaning version of myself. Like, everything Jesus says goes on this checklist, you know? This checklist of things I'd better be doing. And I read the Sermon on the Mount with that checklist in my hand. Like, everything Jesus says, it's on this checklist, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't even really know what that means, you know? <laughs> I mean, I know Luke says blessed are the poor, and I know that I'm not... Poor like when I compare myself to everybody else in the world. And so it's probably not a big logical leap for me to say I'm probably not poor in spirit either. So kingdom of heaven? Not mine. Not for me. Uh-uh. Not mine. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Good. I like that. Not me though. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Meek. Meek. I don't really even understand meek. I don't know meek. You know, I'm not like, I'm not made that way. I'm not meekish. I don't have it in me. Therefore, I will not be inheriting the earth, which you know what? Frankly, that's fine with me. You know, I mean, I have a lot to do already, you know. So if I inherit the earth, that's just like, you know, come on. That's a lot of responsibility. The meek can have it. Yeah, no, it just goes on and on like this. You hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. You're merciful, you'll receive mercy. You're pure in heart, you'll see God. You're a peacemaker, you get called a child of God. Oh, and this next part, I love it. If you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, you will receive the kingdom of heaven. If people revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus, you should be happy because you get a reward in heaven. When am I ever going to be persecuted? And for like being, doing what's right? I mean, I suppose it could be sort of like a whistleblower scenario or something. I don't know, but it's unlikely. So I don't get the kingdom of heaven. I don't get to see God. I'm not going to be called a child of God. And I receive no rewards in heaven. This makes me feel kind of bad. I mean, come on. Sorry about that. I guess I kind of had to get it out of my system. All that talking I was doing and like sort of posturing like I'm some kind of stand-up comedian. Like a Mitch Hedberg. You know, or m- more likely I'm probably more like Rodney Dangerfield. I don't know. But I don't know. I just you know it didn't seem right. It didn't seem true. I think I was just kind of going for the easy joke you know or maybe it's just an easy way of dismissing a really complicated portion of scripture go ah, ah you know <laughs> then i don't have to take it seriously if i can make it somehow seem ridiculous but this is not ridiculous this sermon on the mount it has a very long and complex history of interpretation And it basically breaks two ways. One major thread says that the Sermon on the Mount is the gospel. That the content, these three chapters, the content of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, that is the content of the gospel. That's the message that Jesus came to proclaim. Three chapters of how we should live. And it's practicable. That's the word they use. It's practicable. One can actually live According to the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, you can even go beyond the law of Moses, not only practicing the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. You can do it. You can not only be a pacifist in your actions, you can be a pacifist in every thought and feeling that you have. I mean, not, I will not I can it's possible for me not only to refrain from murdering someone it's actually possible for me not to hate somebody, never to feel or think an angry thought. The other thread in the history of interpretation says that it is definitely not practicable, not at all. It is not possible to live out the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount for anyone. I mean, that, in fact, is the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount it's because it becomes this law, a law in the way that St. Paul talks about it. It is what reveals God's grace to us. It's a set of impossible teachings that convicts us of our inability to do any damn good. So we must depend solely and completely on the grace of God given through Jesus the Christ. Pelagius, this British monk, and certified excommunicated heretic, responded strongly to the not practicable position, saying, God has indeed given commandments which can be fulfilled. Otherwise, God would be the originator of sin. So even though putting the tree of knowledge in the garden and telling Adam and Eve, whatever you do, don't eat of this fruit, was kind of a jerky thing for God to do, Adam and Eve still could have resisted. They could have stayed in the garden and lived sin-free. That is certainly a popular view of sin in the law, although it's not a very astute observation of humanity. Whether or not the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount can be practiced or not there's really Not a lot of examples of success in that area. People have tried, of course, to live out the Sermon on the Mount, to follow every part of it. Most famously, Leo Tolstoy, and it drove him insane. He was tortured by his inability or what he thought of as his unwillingness to practice what was preached there. At the end of his life, when he finally found the strength, as he thought of it, to leave his wife and his family and dedicate himself to living out the Sermon on the Mount completely, he packed his stuff, he went to the train station and collapsed and died shortly after. Some critics think that it was the fact that Leo Tolstoy was insane that made him even attempt to live out the Sermon on the Mount. But to only weigh the practicability or the non-practicability of the Sermon on the Mount, I think, is to miss something, miss something really important. It misses the radical beauty of this articulation of a counter-narrative, a proposal of another way to live life, claiming that the poor, weak, meek, mourners and persecuted are blessed? That was not a common understanding of the order of culture in first century Palestine under Roman rule, or 21st century American capitalist culture. I like Jesus' proposal of another way, much more than a narrative of our dominant culture, where the poor and the destitute are suspect, where only money means power, where blessing, despite what might be said about good health and family, where blessing is measured by material wealth, where even good health is the product of money. I like that the gospel says those who mourn will be comforted, where the meek inherit the earth. I mean, you don't see it a lot, but I like it. That doesn't mean, though, because you don't see it a lot, that I'm going to give myself over completely to the story of our dominant culture. I'm throwing in my lot with Jesus and the gospel, his gospel of peace and love and gratitude and meekness and weakness. Is the Sermon on the Mount, Practicable? Or is it an impossibility that turns us to the grace of God? I'm going to choose both. I invite you now to come and participate with me in this unlikely way.
3: On the night he was delivered to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. I invite you to share communion during the next hymn.
0: Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 135, This Land is Your Land, by Woody Guthrie. Sparkle Sands
3: Mercy and love and peace of God be with you, stay with you and sustain you as you breathe God's spirit into the world. Take heart knowing that you are loved. Amen.